and then, here and there, and always at sexpotcomedy.com. Hey everybody, it's Ron Doyle, producer of this podcast. The narrator's turned five years old in March, so I wanted to take a moment and acknowledge that milestone, and all of you for being such loyal fans to the show. Thanks to Bumpport Theater, all of our generous sponsors, and all the crazy talented organizations with whom we've collaborated over the last five years. You know, the live shows, they just keep getting bigger and better, and I'm constantly overwhelmed. Like I'm like I'm in the middle of this great big group hug that keeps just piling on more arms. So thank you. Thank you. I also wanted to talk directly to all of you in podcast land. You folks who live outside of Denver or who have never attended the live show, you know, a lot has changed for us over the last year, and we never really mentioned any of it on the podcast. So I, I feel like I need to give you an update. Last summer, Robert Rutherford moved to San Diego, and I took his place as co-host of the show. You may have noticed my voice popping up during the intros, and that's why. And Andrew Orvidal's television series, Those Who Can't, was picked up by True TV, so he'll be spending a lot more time in Los Angeles and has decided to step away from daily involvement with the narrators. So that leaves me and my new co-host, Aaron Rollman, holding the reins here in Denver. Erin is a founding member of Bumport Theater, our home venue, and she's one of the most brilliant, creative minds I've ever encountered, so we're totally lucky to have her. You know, normally when two major charismatic figures leave a small show, it's tough to recover, and it would be totally understandable if we just withered and died from such a blow, but it seems like the narrators is not that sort of show. You know, chopping at our roots seems to have only spurred on new growth. Robert is going to be launching a new chapter of The Narrators in San Diego, which should debut this year with his partner, Mary Robertson. We're developing a Spanish-language spinoff here in Denver. We now have a syndicated series with Audible.com and Rooftop Media that you can listen to for free on Spotify. We're applying for grants and just bouncing around all these big, crazy ideas like comic books and vinyl records and festivals and And we just wrapped a special production where we told stories with a 35-piece orchestra. (laughs) Things are getting crazy. And with everything happening in the three-dimensional world, I felt like I wanted to do something special for the podcast, too. Listeners like you have been a big reason why this show is a success. You share with your friends, you retell the stories you hear, and you remind us that there are people out there beyond the iron gates of Denver that love our style of storytelling, too. You deserve the best. So without further ado, I'm proud to announce season two of the Narrators Podcast. Yes, the first season was 60 episodes long. Don't think too much about that. But in this new season, we're going to bring you stories every week instead of twice a month. Sometimes we're going to share just one story, sometimes two. Stories might come from places other than live performances. Maybe we'll do a full hour-long episode once in a while. Maybe we'll pull old stories out of the archives. I don't know. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do some experimentation. We'll see where it goes. If you have an opinion, if you want to tell me what you'd like, what you want, please drop me a line at thenarrators.org. All right, this was way longer than I intended. Thanks for listening. On with the show. Next storyteller. All right, next storyteller. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Wednesday of every month at the Buntport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Today's story comes from Janae Burris and was recorded live at our fifth anniversary show on March 18th, 2015. 
Janae is a Los Angeles native turned Denver transplant who's been performing stand-up, sketch, and improv comedy for over a decade. Her story is entitled, My Shams of Tabriz. Thanks. Okay. So I'm feeling like I'm in church right now because uh, we're in a theater and it feels like church to me. Um... But in a good way. I, I know this is Denver. I don't want to bring up a weird thing for you. Uh, <laughs> but theater for me is church because there's, um, there's respect and there's reverence and there's love and there's this energy. So we're going to open up the service with a little roomy. Um, <clears throat> I was dead, then alive, weeping, then laughing. The power of love came into me and I became fierce like a lion then tender like the evening star. He said, you're not mad enough. You don't belong in this house. I went wild and had to be tied up. He said, still not wild enough to stay with us. I broke through another layer into joyfulness. He said, it's not enough. I died. He said, you're a clever little man full of fantasy and doubting. I plucked out my feathers and became a fool. He said, now you're the candle for this assembly. But I'm no candle. Look, I'm scattered smoke. He said, you are the sheik, the guide, but I'm not a teacher. I have no power. He said, you already have wings. I cannot give you wings, but I wanted his wings. I felt like some flightless chicken. Then new events said to me, don't move. A sublime generosity is coming toward you. And old love said, stay with me, and I said, I will. You are the fountain of the sun's light, and I am a willow shadow on the ground. You make my raggedness silky. The soul at dawn is like darkened water that slowly begins to say, thank you. Thank you. Then at sunset again, Venus gradually changes into the moon and then the whole night sky. This comes of smiling back at your smile. The chess master says nothing other than moving the silent chess piece. That I am part of the ploys of this game makes me amazingly happy. And when I read Rumi, I think about my own Shams of Tabriz, my own teacher and friend, um, someone that I love dearly, my, my, my good friend, Rick. Um, I think of him as my Shams of Tabriz because Rumi, you know, Rumi um, fell in love with Shams of Tabriz. He met this teacher and they just, they found this love. And it's not necessarily like husband and wife love, but it's, it's joy and it's connection. And they were each other. And I felt like that when I met my good friend, Rick. And I met him when I was about 20 and I was in a weird relationship um, I was accused once of having daddy issues, to which I laugh. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all have daddy issues. My daddy issue is that my dad was really fucking cool. My dad, he was charming and loving, and people liked him very much, and he was kind, and he died too young. Therefore, I will always be attracted to older men who are charming and loving and kind and funny and well-loved. That is my issue. And, and I met Rick, and he was much older. And when I think about symbiosis and I think of two different organisms sort of um, mutually benefiting each other, he's this white guy, 25 years older than me, and I was this 20-something black girl and in a weird relationship where I did not love myself and I did not see myself as being a woman and cool. 
And then my Shams of Tabriz showed up to tell me how wonderful I was and to kind of give me wings. And for a couple years, we just had so much fun. For like two years, we had so much fun. And I did theater with him. And he taught me that I was funny because I didn't even know I was funny. And he taught me that I was smart. And, and he just revealed these things to me. And there was just so much joy and love between us. And then at some point, we found, you know, relationships with other people. But we still wanted to be really good friends because he was my Shams of Tabriz and I, ad I adored him. I adored him very much. And, uh, and I remember once, once in, um, we had been driving back and forth up to Ojai, California, which is a lovely place that you would all love. You would love. If you go to California, you hate L.A. I know, Denver, you hate L.A. But you would love Ojai, you guys. I mean, there is natural made soap in Ojai, okay? <laughs> it's a place for you, Denver. You, you'll love it. And Rick and I would drive up to Ojai every week to rehearse for this play. And one day we were out in the beautiful sun. We're enjoying a walk through this old cemetery. And he stops me to tell me that he loves me. He ruined everything. He ruined everything. He ruined everything. We were such good friends. He ruined everything with his stupid, stupid love. It wasn't supposed to be like that. We were just supposed to enjoy each other and be happy. And we had nights under the stars where you could, in Ojai, you can just see the stars and the air smells like flowers. And it's just gorgeous. And we had so many light nights like that and doing theater and, and me growing up and feeling better about myself every weekend. And then he ruined it with his stupid love. And um, that ruins everything, you know. That type of love, that man-woman love. It just I just wanted to love like like a like a clownfish in a sea anemone. I wanted to love like that. I just wanted to, I wanted that kind of love. And 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 uh, he ruined it. And and so when I did find someone else, and he and people never stopped letting us remember that he was some older white dude and I was some 20-something-year-old black girl. People never, ever, ever, ever let us forget that. So no way a love could actually work between us. And, but nobody ever appreciated the fact that he was that there was so much joy and delight in just being together. And we used to smoke hash and write jokes. I didn't write any jokes before him. And, and we'd just chill out by the pool and we'd go for a walk and we'd eat pie at two in the morning and it was just the fucking best time. And then um, my, my friends and family, just like between Rumi and Shams of Tabriz, you know, people started to, I don't know if it was jealousy, but, but people were jealous of Shams, and, Shams of Tabriz and Rumi. They didn't like their relationship, that they were so into each other that they could go away for hours and days and weeks and just talk. And it, people didn't like that. My Shams, we had that as well. People didn't like that we were doing that. It didn't make sense to everybody. And I had friends say, well, if you have kids with him, he'll probably die soon and you'll have to raise your kids alone. You know? And I had his friends say, well, what? you have nothing in common with some young black girl from the hood. You have nothing in common with her. And so, of course... At some point, the relationship, we had to just kind of put some space in between it. And I found someone that I do want to have kids with. And he's remarried to someone else. And we had to put some space because we did care about each other too much to have those 
to not affect those other relationships, you know. Um, and it, it turns out that I, re- I really did love him. He was right. When he said he loved me, I, I did not say it back, but I really did love him. And I, and I put these, I, I let other people kind of get into my head a little bit about it and, and ruin that, that sweetness that we had together and that, that symbiotic relationship that helped me to be the woman that I am today. Some older white dude helped me be the black woman that I am today. Can you believe that? <laughs> Can you believe it? They're not all bad. <laughs> They're not all bad. Because I love myself much more today, and he helped me realize that. He helped me feel beautiful and funny and talented and independent and fierce, all those things a black woman's supposed to be. He helped me figure that out later. And, and, um, and we're not friends anymore. We're not somehow allowed to be. But somehow in my mind, you know, on his birthday, I wish him happy birthday, and I ask him in my mind how his mother's doing. And, and I'm certain that our connection was so strong that he, I know somewhere in Ojai, he's th- doing the same thing for me, saying happy birthday on my birthday. And and he would be here right now in this theater and and uh, having a good time with you all. And... Um, yeah, and that he's my Shams of Tabriz, and that's a relationship that I absolutely was symbiotic, and I needed it, and I'm grateful for it. Thanks a lot. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Aaron Rollman, Mary Robertson, and me, Ron Doyle. I produce and record the podcast with engineering assistance by Josh Johnson. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. The Narrators podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. The next time you need a photographer, remember From the Hip Photo. You can learn more about their honest and unforgettable service at fromthehipphoto.com. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by Breckenridge Brewery, making balanced, approachable, and interesting handcrafted beers in Colorado for over 25 years. Check them out at breckbrew.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or on your favorite mobile podcatcher. For more information and to find past episodes, visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah.